Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz. And today we're talking about real life tips to get out of debt. And I'll be talking about it with an extra deep voice because, yes, it's like 5 a.m., but also I'm a little sick, so forgive the scratchy voice. But getting out of debt is a topic, y'all, I'm extremely passionate about because, like many Americans, years ago in the early part of our marriage, Pepper and I were in a whopping six figures of debt. Gosh, that was so much fun. And I'm so grateful to say (laughs) that we have been debt-free for really a while now, except for our mortgage. We're working on that. People who have paid off their house are in a whole nother league. But for us, with the right advice and tools and mindset, it took about five years, but we paid it all off and managed to give about half as much in charitable gifts during that same time frame. And I want to make clear that by no means do I say that to impress anyone, but rather to impress upon anyone who's feeling discouraged like I was back in my early 20s, looking at all that debt and wondering how the heck we'd ever pay it off that there really is hope and you can do it. But as we get into this, I do want to mention that, as we've discussed before on our money episode, talking about money and especially giving advice about it can feel really uncomfortable. I mean, money is such a personal topic, but we want to do it anyway because I was recently doing some research for an article and was reminded of how debt and money problems is one of the main causes for divorce. And it can just be such a general life drag. So we are going to push through our discomfort and talk about this in the hopes that it helps. Plus, here's a bonus. We asked those of you on our Facebook group, Bell Curve Insiders, for your tips. And we'll be sprinkling that great advice throughout this as well. Before we get into all that, first, let me say another huge thanks for the awesome support rolling in on Patreon in a world where not only can you choose from like a billion shows on Netflix, (laughs) there are also more than 70,000 podcasts vying for your attention. Uh, So we are so humbled that you spend a little time listening to us each week and even more humbled that you find it worth contributing your hard and earned dollars to support. If you want to join others who are helping make this podcast possible, please go to patreon.com forward slash bell curve pod and choose a support level. They range from just $3 a month and go up from there. Y'all are the best and thank you so much. So it's 2020, y'all, and at the time of this recording in the United States, there are great things to celebrate financially. Wages are going up, the stock market is doing great, job growth is good, and unemployment is really low. However, when it comes to debt, there are a few downer statistics to report. According to The Motley Fool in 2019, quote, the overall credit card debt of the United States increased for its sixth straight year, which is an all-time high and is greater than the pre-financial crisis peak. Unquote. Also, Americans had an average of four credit cards per person last year. And according to NerdWallet statistics, the average U.S. household has nearly $7,000 in revolving credit card debt, about $28,000 in auto loan debt, about $47,000 in student loan debt, and about $190,000 in mortgage debt. So Liz and I are both millennials. Mary Scott is a Gen Xer. I'm married to a Gen Xer. But according to experts who watch generational trends, finances really do look very different depending on your generation. So how did the Gen Xers do? Better than us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because according to a recent Merrill Lynch wealth management report, only 19% of millennials and Gen Zers, so younger than millennials, define financial success as being rich. 
60% define it just as being debt free. It just seems un-American to me. (laughs) Right? I mean, that may seem like a very low bar to me and Mary Scott's age group and older. But to younger millennials who make on average about, I don't know, about $36,000 a year and are carrying an average student loan debt of about $30,000, not to mention the credit card debt, being out of debt may really seem like the ultimate high prize that can feel elusive. So against that backdrop today, I want to give you Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz's hard-won real-life tips that have helped each of us, a Gen Xer, an older millennial, and a younger millennial. And of course, we, we caveat that we are not financial advisors, just real people trying to be good stewards of our finances. Well, I don't think you really have to be a financial whiz to understand this stuff to the to the point where you can do a really good job with it. So I I, I have... I have no issue with us taking on this subject and there's tons and tons and tons of great information for our listeners out there, tons of tools that are out there and regular people can understand it and can, and can handle it. It, It's, it's not something that you have to be an expert to, you know, sure. If you want to invest in the stock market and, you know, do all this, you know, very, very sophisticated investing or profit taking or what, you know, yes, maybe you need to have some extra schooling or learning, but to just manage, uh, minimize your debt risk, you know, to figure out what your situation is and address it, that you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an expert, but there at the other, on the other hand, there are no shortcuts. Like it's a pretty, it's pretty simple calculus. Oh yes. I agree with that. (laughs) It's, it's kind of like your calories in calories out, money in money out, and you have to make the right decisions at the right times. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, those nerd wallet statistics of $7,000 in revolving credit card debt, about $28,000 in auto loan and about $47,000 in student loan debt. At the beginning of my marriage, those numbers outside of the credit card debt were about spot on. For, for my household. And that was something that was really daunting to face because you, it, both my husband and I were blessed enough to have uh, scholarships in college, but we both took out loans for the other living expenses around college. And that's a daunting thing to start your marriage with is all that student loan debt. So I'm excited about My husband, about my husband about calls it, it the, my negative dowry that I came to the marriage with. <laughs> <laughs> That's my negative dowry. <laughs> well, and so today we are going to frame these tips, these non-expert, but I guess expert because we've got life experience tips around really two key steps. And number one, it's just to get in the right mindset. And then number two is to make a plan and execute it. So ladies, let's dive into step one, which is to get in the right mindset. Okay, you've got some debt, maybe a little, maybe a heck of a lot. What is the right mindset posture for financial success? So I thought a lot about that, and I have a couple of things that I want to address. But for me, and this isn't for everyone, and I'm not suggesting this is necessarily the right way for everyone to think about it. But for me, I think that we sometimes don't think about making more money. We only think about how not to spend money. And, and it's, it's, you know, in the end, as Liz just said, it's, it's, you know, it boils down to money coming in and money going out and more needs to be coming in than going out. And there's two ways to do that. You can minimize expenses, of course. And I, but I think that sometimes the danger of that is getting into a, you know, a, a, a scarcity mindset. And, and, and I think we just, we don't think as 
we need to be thinking, I guess, equally about money going out as money coming in. And I think especially women sometimes don't consider, hey, I need to make more money. And there's nothing greedy about that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing disloyal to your family about that. You know, but really simply, you know, kind of balancing that equation and thinking. I need, so I, I want to encourage, I guess, with my little tip, you know, I have a, a couple of others, but but don't forget that part of the equation. Make more money. I think for me, the number one thing was really getting on the same page as my husband. <laughs> Dave Ramsey talks about this kind of thing a lot, but like he's a saver. I'm a spender. And if you don't have very frank and sometimes difficult discussions about what your priorities are, either, you know, either with yourself, if you're a single person or with your partner, your spouse, your, your roommate, if you, if you have expenses in common, then it can be really, really difficult to attack the goals that you have. Because at the end of the day, what is it? What is the saying? What is it? A dream without a plan is nothing. You have to have a plan to have a goal. And so without having that plan in place, without being on the same team and working in the same direction, you're just not going to get anywhere. You know, finances is, like you said, Liz, really a philosophy. And I mean, I remember getting married and being shocked that two people could think so differently about money. I had grown up in a family dedicated to Dave Ramsey principles. I graduated college with zero debt, thanks to scholarships. And my parents' financial know-how and wisdom. And I really had an ingrained fear of debt. But Pepper, my husband, on the other hand, you know, he grew up, he grew up poor. He says that he never learned about managing money because his family never had any money to manage. So he did go to college, but he had to finance the whole thing. And he went to a very expensive private college. So he graduated with massive amounts of debt and really a philosophy that debt was sort of normal. Everyone had it. It wasn't really a big deal. When we got married, he, he may have had a relatively high salary, but he was also living in a really expensive apartment in the heart of D.C., carrying credit card debt, driving a brand new convertible. So we were on completely different pages at the beginning, and, and he will tell you all of this, these things as well. So I'm very blessed and grateful that he was open to changing his mind and learning about a different way of life and was willing with a good bit of cajoling and some sweet talking to go <laughs> through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. So my first bit of mindset advice is to buy hook or crook or bribery or whatever you have to do. If you're married to someone without the same commitment to getting out of debt, somehow get them to go to Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University course. You can go to Dave Ramsey's website, plug in your zip code and find a nearby class, or you can take it online. It is $100, very well spent. No, they are not paying me to say that. They have no idea who I am. That is my real opinion. Do it together if you can, and I promise you won't regret it. Big shout out to Sarah, who wrote in on Facebook, quote, not sure this is wisdom, but what worked for me is marrying a Dave Ramsey enthusiast and going through, you got it, Financial Peace University. (laughs) You know, I've never really read any of his stuff or gone to any of his classes, but it is pretty remarkable how his philosophies have kind of woven their way into this whole subject. Um, and, And even if you 
like me, you know, haven't taken the class or, but his, his, to me, his basic philosophy is, you know, use, there's a, there's a system for getting out of debt, paying off, you know, the small ones and then rolling that payment into the next one, into the next one. And, you know, whether you take the class or not, I, I just, I really admire him because I don't, I've never taken the class, never read a single thing, never listened to his radio show, but his philosophies have found their way into my my spreadsheet, my Excel spreadsheet that I use for my household budget. So it, it is pretty, so he's a pretty remarkable guy. Yeah, to your point, Mary Scott, I mean, it's because his system is, is simple enough to work for pretty much anybody. You know, there are some some people who don't love him, but the same as you, Rachel, when, when uh, James and I were first married, I would listen to the Dave Ramsey show on podcast in podcast form <laughs> almost every day. Yes. And it was what kept me excited about paying off debt to hear people do the debt-free scream and all that. And you know, I don't do it as much anymore, but it was really, really helpful for getting that mindset right of hearing other people who did the steps, got the result and are now debt-free, and what, what you can do with your life once you are debt-free. So my little um, show that I listen to for that sort of advice is, is a show called Optimal Finance Daily, and it's really short, and it's about you know, a 10-minute show, and it's daily, and I don't get all of them, but I, for those that want a, you know, a, a source for good financial information, and they talk a lot about debt on Optimal Finance Daily, that's, an, that's another alternative that you might listen to in addition to, to Ramsey or, or, you know, as I do. So my second piece of mindset advice might, might apply to folks who are a little bit younger than I am, but I want to give it anyway. And it's to really wrap your mind around this one idea. If you are in debt, you can either look financially successful or you can actually be financially successful. But sometimes being successful means you aren't going to look like you are for a while. And in our culture of excess and Instagram and money worship, this can be very hard, y'all. It takes self-control. I, I believe my generation and younger have some financial pressures that older generations didn't have to deal with as much that come from social media there's always been keeping up with the Joneses. But, you know, back in the day, if you wore the same outfit 10 times around 10 different groups, no one knew because there were no online pictures. But now there's a lot of pressure to have a much bigger wardrobe or nicer car or bigger house or better vacation or whatever, because literally everyone you know will see it. So I think young people who need to be wearing the same outfit a gazillion times and living in an apartment with Ikea furniture and having staycations sort of feel like they need to look like the rich kids of Instagram. And I think this very much hurts them get out of debt. I mean, I remember feeling some of that pressure 15 years ago when Facebook was really first coming out. And for the first time, being bothered for everyone to see me wearing the same dress I had been wearing five years before. And at that time, I remember making a very conscious decision to not care and, and post pics of myself anyway. Even if I did actually care, I told myself over and over, I do not care. And I, so I said that to myself enough times that it became my mindset. And years later, it's still my mindset. So uh, this kind of goes to my second family of advice in this area, because we're really, we're trying to get really practical about reducing debt. And I want to say that being successful and looking successful really are two different things. And Rachel is so right about that. And being successful, truly being successful, especially in the debt area, is often about minimizing debt risk. 
And minimizing debt risk is not something, it's not a new car that you can see. It's not a fancy new dress or, an, or the latest purse. You know, it's, it's, it's not anything that you can see. It's, it's stuff that is going on that is, well, to the extent that you can see it, it's giving you peace or peace of mind or peace in your soul. Um, according to an October 2019 article from Investopedia, there are five reasons people get into debt. Medical expenses, job loss, excess use of credit, divorce and separation. So we talked about that earlier. Does divorce and separation lead to debt or does debt lead to divorce and separation? It, it seems to me that that's yes. The answer is yes. The answer direction. is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Um, and finally, unexpected expenses such as, you know, acts of God, earthquakes, floods, tornadoes. You know, these all are debt risks that a, a healthy being financially healthy, be, you know, not looking being financially healthy requires that you minimize those risks. And to do that, you, you have to, you have to budget for, for medical insurance. You have to have medical insurance. That is the number one pe reason people go into debt and, and have to declare bankruptcy, guard against job loss, D you know, don't whip out that credit card first thing. You know, I, I, I hate to say that you shouldn't get, you know, divorce is, is, is sad on all sorts of levels. Certainly it's a moral impetus. There's a, there's a, a spiritual component, but there's also a financial component. <laughs> you know, divorce and separation is expensive. So my piece of advice on the on the in the theme of not just looking successful, but really being successful is that you have to take stock of the risks of debt and guard against those. And I will be the first to admit that this is excessively hard if you care about appearances. When I got married, I drove a gorgeous white BMW that I adored. My car before that was a Mercedes. Y'all, I loved, I will just admit it, I loved pulling up in those cars. It just made me feel successful. But we were in massive amounts of debt. So I sold that. My husband sold his convertible. We became a one-car household and bought an old minivan that was a wonderful, humility-provoking thorn in my flesh for like 13 years until it went kaput. But I, I mean, I'll never forget the Christian writer, Matthew Kelly, saying something once that pierced my soul. He said, if you think about it, what is a brand, as in an actual brand, like the mark you put on a cow? It's the mark of ownership. You put a brand on yourself when you are owned. So if we feel like we need to be associated with a certain brand to feel good about ourselves, we need to own high value brands. Maybe we should ask ourselves who owns us. Are we in possession of ourselves or is it the company who has, in essence, convinced us to pay them to brand us? Oof, that gosh, that's convicting. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I've never uh, quite thought about it that ownership way, but what what you you just said at the very end of you're essentially when you put on or drive, and there are some differences in qualities between different brands. But when you put a T-shirt on that has a brand on it that you pay two hundred dollars for that Supreme brand, you are paying that company two hundred dollars for <laughs> the privilege of advertising you. for them. <laughs> Right. And I want to make it clear. I'm not just, I mean, look, it, I like nice things. I have nice things. Some of them are from nice brands. But the point is when you're in debt, 
can you wear something from Walmart and still have your identity intact? Or would that make you feel insecure? And, and I think you just have to, you know, you are who you are, regardless of what what brand you have on your body or on your car. And that is so hard when when we were first married and, and we're in a bunch of debt, there was so much wailing and gnashing of teeth on my part because I was sitting there just being like, you know, why, why should I have to live like this? We make plenty of money. Yeah, we're in debt, but we make plenty of money. Why, why are we living like we don't? And it really took a lot of discussion and prayer and convincing and cajoling, cajoling to get me on the, on the right mindset. But once I was there, what, what is it that Dave Ramsey call it? That gazelle intense focus on, on getting out of consumer debt was helpful. You know, and there is nothing worse. And I bet you everybody that is listening and everybody and every single one of us has been there when you've bought something you can't afford and now you're a slave to it. Mm-hmm. Now you have to figure out how to pay for it. You have to take money from somewhere else or you have to, you know, you have to make more money or, you know, I, when I talked earlier about making more money, I'm not talking about making more money in order to be a slave to your boat that you bought or your, you know, I'm talking about making more money because, you know, you can invest more, you can be more charitable, you can, you can do the things that are important for you and your family. I mean, that, that don't, there is nothing worse and nothing destroys your peace of mind and nothing makes you, you know, more in a worse mood, I think, than being a slave to something that you bought, you couldn't afford. That's right. So check your mindset, realize there are a lot of pretenders and you don't want to be one, get in the right mindset, and then you're ready to attack your deck. So that leads us into step two, which is to make a plan and execute it. Okay. So, ladies, for the rest of the show, I want us to give our really our best practical tips and tools. And I'll just lead it off and say that, you know, this is a little bit of a different difference from what Mary Scott was saying about make more money. I just want to say first that you would be shocked how much money you can save by changing your lifestyle. Megan wrote in on Facebook, quote, still in debt, but it was very eye-opening to me to go through a month's charges in my bank account to see what subscriptions or memberships I have that I may not be using and where else I'm spending a lot of money that I shouldn't have. And for her, this was eating out. She said $7 at Chick-fil-A really adds up. Thank you, Megan. Great advice. So really, you got to look at everything. Are you renting an apartment? What tax jurisdiction are you in? And Dave Ramsey would ask the same question. Could you save money by moving? We moved maybe five miles from D.C. to Virginia, and it was like we got a raise. Look at every last thing you spend money on and ask yourself if you can change it, do without it, sell it, cancel it, downgrade it, or otherwise dial back your spending in every way you feasibly know how. I mean, get ridiculous about it. Get austere. You can do it. It's worth it. You don't want to be in debt, right? It's, it is mind-blowing how quickly those little $7 lunches at, at Chick-fil-A add up, how quickly that trip to the grocery store to get that one ingredient that ends up turning into a basket full of goodies can add up. It's incredible how quickly those, those little purchases here and there that cough, I mean, I'm not saying go without coffee, but I am saying maybe make it at home. And it's just, is mind blowing because you think of it as little bits here and there. And that's why one of the things that really does seem to work for people is getting away from the plastic, getting away from the credit cards and debit cards and dealing in cash only, man, that will really make you cognizant of how quickly things are going out. 
I want to kind of interject here on a practical tip that I just think, I don't know how you get out of debt and manage your money without this, this particular tool. My best practical tip, the best thing I know to do from Mary Scott Hunter is learn to work in Excel. If you don't know how already, take a class, watch a tutorial. The term here is called modeling, um, M-O-D-E-L-I-N-G, modeling. You absolutely must be able to model your household budget in Excel. You must. And, and Excel has all sorts of different tools and you can do different sheets for different aspects of your budget, your investments, your your debts. You can, you can move the numbers around. You can, there's ways to parameterize is the term uh, in Excel so that you can really get a clear understanding. I, I mean, if you just can't face it, at least write it down, you know, on a sheet of paper, you know, in the old fashioned pen and ink method. But you don't have to be an Excel whiz. But if you can get decent at it, you will be really surprised at how good the information is that you will get that will help you really thinking about your budget, your debts, your ultimate financial piece. Well, let me leapfrog off of that to get, I mean, that there might be folks who say, I don't have that yet. That sounds complicated. What are you talking about? So let's break it down and talk about how you even get to the point where you can make a spreadsheet. Here's what I want to advise. All right. So Get at least a month ahead bill-wise, and, and we're going to talk about how to do that, where you start paying for the current month's bills out of money you already made and set aside, not money you are earning that same month. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, how do I even get there? This is how, this is how you do it, and here's how you get away from living month to month. Wait until you get a boost in your income. Maybe it's your tax return. Maybe you get a bonus or an extra check. Amy wrote in on Facebook and recommended doing a no-spend month. That's fantastic advice. Our family has done that. Try to not buy anything new. Don't spend that money. And once you have enough money set aside to cover one month's expenses, then you're ready to shift how you budget. Then you're ready to make that Excel spreadsheet. So you can start your month knowing exactly how much money you have for that month. It's already in the account. So then make the detailed spreadsheet with line items for everything you can think of that you spend money on or need to be saving for. And then just put your money where it needs to go, budgeting for your bills and then throwing as much as you possibly can at the debt with discretionary spending really being your very last priority. When we started doing this kind of budget, I think we had a very rudimentary six categories, but now there's at least 63 recurring lines on that spreadsheet and it fluctuates up from there each month. But every month, you know, plug in that income number that you made from the last month or the month before, and then start filling out any of those non-fixed categories based on your priorities and needs until it zeroes out. Tim's wrote in with her advice, quote, make a detailed zero-sum budget and stick to it. Pay cash, work at paying off debt, smallest owed to largest. Being able to retire even those little balances gives a great emotional boost, unquote. So, and let me tell you, if you'll do this, you're going to start to realize you have much more money than you think you do to attack the debt that's going places you don't want it to go because you're just not being intentional. So you may look at it and realize you're spending hundreds of dollars a month on eating out. Well, you know, what if you were to budget for yourself one really good dinner out and you could look forward to it and really savor it rather than mindlessly spending all that money that could be going towards your financial freedom? Lisa summed it up well in her Facebook advice. She says the best way to get out of debt is, quote, never start. But once the damage is done, a budget is crucial. Once you have a budget, it gives you permission to say no. 
odd turn of phrase, right? Permission. But it helps with self-control. The budget also helps identify needless spending. There are two practical things that really, really helped us in the early days of our marriage. The first one was switching from buying groceries at Publix to Aldi. (laughs) And part of that was when we first got married, we were like, why? It's just the two of us. Like, why are we spending so much money on groceries every week? And then we, I'd never shopped at Aldi before and you can't get everything there. But once we started getting a lot of our staples at the budget grocery store, instead of at the Publix down the street, we saved like a hundred dollars a week. It was absurd. (laughs) The other thing was making clear to our, our friends at the time that this was our priority. But if we said no to going out to a restaurant and instead invited people over to have barbecue at our house, it was because that's what our priority was. Yes, we want to spend time with you. We value your friendship, but we're not going to go to a restaurant and spend $8 on a beer when we can have the same beer for 50 cents at home. You know, the first time that you say to someone, I can't donate to your cause or I can't give that contribution or I can't you know, go out to do that thing with you because I've already exceeded my budget for that that item this month, you know, or for the year, you know, maybe in my case, I'll, I get a lot of requests for political donations and we have a line item for that. And once I exceed it, there are no more political contributions. And it does feel a little strange the first time you say to someone that line item is exhausted for this month or this year, I'm sorry, come back next month or next year. It'll feel a little weird, but it, you also will walk away with a big smile on your face because, you know, they will look at you like you have two heads if they don't do budgeting themselves. And a lot of people don't, but you will feel so good when you say that to someone because it's very practical and it's very powerful. You are, that means what that says to the world is that you are in control. Well, and you, the things y'all are mentioning really, we, you know, we're reading for our next book club book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I'm getting a ton out of this book. I think y'all are too, it sounds like. But in chapter nine, he talks about the role of family and friends in shaping our habits. I mean, humans really, we want to be loved and accepted and considered normal within our tribe. So he suggests that really whoever we are around, we're going to adapt to their behaviors and habits to fit in if we're not being intentional. So if our tribe is a bunch of people maybe trying to look rich and one up each other and, you know, you feel like you need to fit in to spend a lot of money and never wear the same thing twice. I mean, one thing is you may need to get off, just get off your social media for a while if you feel tempted to impress people on it. And I mean, as someone who was off for a a while, I promise you can do it. Hard as it is to believe, no one's even going to notice you're gone. (laughs) And if you regularly hang out with people with more financial resources than you, you know, you might find it hard not to spend too much. Maybe start spending time with people less well off than you, or at the least, like you said, guys, just be honest with your friends and say, you just need them to accept where you are right now so you'll feel less pressure to spend. We didn't lose a single friend. When we told our friends that some of them were better off than we were and some of them were not as well off as we were, we it, people love just being together. If, if your friends are judging you based on what you wear or the type of restaurant that you can afford to go to or whether or not you have the newest cell phone or the newest car, maybe they're not your real friends. And that, that seems like like middle school advice to give. But I think it's something that we we neglect. Like we have this pressure like you. I made that same note in Atomic Habits when I read that chapter. Uh, we are so driven by what the people around us 
think of us and and we want to be part of that tribe. We want to be included in the fun things in life. It's just a very instinctual habit that we have, an instinctual thing that part of what makes us human. But we can push against that. And that is very, very freeing. Like Mary Scott said, when once you take control of, of your spending, once you take control of the outcomes that you can control, that's really very, very freeing. And just to be aware of how your surroundings affect you. For instance, I, my kids sometimes come home and they feel like our house is small compared to other people's. And they're like, why can't we, why can't we live in a mansion? I'm like, oh my goodness, for goodness sake. But anyway, one of the things I tell them is I'm like, kids, if our house was planted in the middle of a big city, this would be considered a massive house. You know, you just, you got to kind of like think of where, just be aware of how your surroundings affect how you feel about what you have. But my third piece of advice, and I'll close mine on this, is to consider doing something drastic. This is one of those practical tips. I've been hearing a lot lately about people who are selling their homes and literally living in a camper or a tiny house or a small apartment to accelerate paying off the debt. I think this is a great idea. Like I said before, if you can humble yourself and get over appearances, you can really do a lot by taking such a drastic measure. We ourselves did something drastic that helped us for about a year and a half. Pepper worked as a contractor for the Navy, and it was a big risk. We just up and moved to Italy with little kids, partially because for the length of that contract, we did not have to pay for housing. We lived in a military apartment on a base, and all that money we would have spent on housing we religiously sent to pay off the debt. Now, I know not everyone can find a job like that, but, you know, maybe be creative. What else could you do? It might take a job move or a city move. It might mean living a little crazy for a while. Maybe it means working a lot of overtime if that's available. I remember when our kids were little and I was home with them during the day, I I would teach at colleges at night and on the weekends when Pepper got home and could be with the kids. So I was still earning, but we weren't paying for childcare. You know, housing in Alabama is very inexpensive. And both Birmingham and Huntsville, where the three of us live, is an incredibly affordable place to live with incredible job opportunities as well. I think to your point of doing something drastic, maybe look into some if you if you happen to live in a big city right now, maybe look into some some middle tier cities that you hadn't thought about before because there is there is nothing. I mean, usually those housing costs are that top item number. Like that's probably the thing that you're spending the most on. Uh, My other practical debt uh, relief piece is maybe counterintuitive, but James and I have found that every time we increase our giving, we get that back in blessings on blessings on blessings. And I don't want to sound prosperity gospel or anything like that, but I think it's a heart change. I think when you can see what your money can do for other people, When you see that life is about so much more than spending on yourself, it helps get your priorities in line. And I I just want to kind of close by saying that even when you get out of debt, really, I highly encourage you not to increase your lifestyle right away. I mean, especially if you have kids, life is just so much more expensive than you think it will be. So think about your priorities and realize unless you really are very wealthy, you just can't have it all. I mean, for us, our highest priority and our highest bill is our kids' private school tuition. And that's not going to be everybody's highest priority. And that is fine. But because we've prioritized private school, it means some of our other areas are, are not going to be as 
fleshed out. I mean, my husband still drives the 2007 fuel-efficient car. We paid cash for 12 years ago. But I think where we would get ourselves back into trouble is if we started thinking we should be able to have it all. And you just can't. So make sure whatever you choose to spend your money on, it's what you really prioritize, not just what you think will make you look successful to other people. We really hope this has been helpful. Get after that debt this year. Listen to Dave Ramsey. Listen to any financial advice, podcast, or resource. And just, you know, you want to live, like Dave says, like no one else now. So you can live like no one else later. We will see you next week on Bell Curve. And remember, pick up our book club book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. We'll discuss it in March. It will be especially helpful for breaking bad financial habits and building good ones. And check us out on Patreon at patreon forward slash bellcurvepod.com. Consider a support level if you can. And thanks so much for being awesome.